Grab your Bibles with me, Acts chapter 7, verse 54. Just remain standing with me for a few moments, then you can watch me stand the rest of the moments. Acts chapter 7, verse 54, as you're turning there, I'm also excited that next Sunday we're going to have a very special guest speaker. Uh, he's coming in, uh, hasn't been here uh, in a while. Uh, I'm not going to tell you his name, but it uh, rhymes with Wayne and rhymes with Sillard. Okay, and so he's going to be here uh, with us, uh, Shane Willard, all right, that's his, uh, that's his name. He'll be with us next Sunday. He is, uh, he's awesome, and I know Pastor Toby will never, ever, ever, ever forget him. If you were not here last time we had him, just know that, uh, you guys remember when he... That's all I'm going to say. Hilarious. Acts chapter 7, verse 54. If you have it, say, mm-hmm. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. Somebody say, cut to the heart. And then it says, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast, and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, Stephen, Steve, Esteban, A, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin at their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Wow. Before you're seated, shake your neighbor's hand and tell them, start spreading the news. <laughs> then you may be seated today. If you were here a couple weeks ago, the rhythm is going to get you. If you were here last week, had a little David Bowie going on. Ch -ch -ch changes. You got to change. We'll be talking about that here a little bit today. Figure today, let's go a little Sinatra. Let's get a little Sinatra going on here. Start spreading the news. Yes. He had it right. He just forgot one word. Start spreading the good news. Acts chapter 11, verse 22. If you can turn there. If not, they'll have it on the screen. Acts chapter 11, verse 22. I'm going to read a few verses. It says, then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who, when he, he came, had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all, that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And much people were added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus. For seeking, for to seek Saul. 
And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And when it came to pass that a whole year uh, they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. We're looking at a whole story here. Now, I'm excited. Now, if I start going too much too fast, just forgive me. Listen to the podcast. Press slow, and you can listen to it word by word. But I'm excited because here we see a story that just, like, how would you say the domino effect? But we see the biggest domino of all of them. One of the biggest dominoes. There was probably one more bigger domino, and that was the uh, conversion of Saul to Paul. But this was actually the one that made that conversion even happen. Now, just to give you a, a brief kind of story of where we're going at here, we're looking at the life of Stephen. Somebody say Stephen. Somebody say Stephen. Stephen, this man, we see take place in the most dramatic happenings in the book of Acts. Stephen's message in the book of Acts chapter 7 is the longest message recorded in the book of Acts. We learn that Stephen was the first martyr in the book of Acts, and we also learn that so many great things took place after his death. But what made Stephen, his impact in this man, this man in this book, such a great impact that really his life that we learn was really less than two chapters in this book of Acts? Even at the fact that we learn so little about him, but we learn a lot about his conviction from just one message. What was so special about Stephen? Now, Stephen comes into the scene in the book of Acts chapter 6. And what was happening was they were making choices within the leadership of the church. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 6 that they were growing rapidly, that there was rapid multiplication taking place. So as believers multiplied, this is what was very important. Believers multiplied, but also drama multiplied. I'm going to say that one more time to this side. As believers multiplied, drama multiplied. Issues multiplied. Oh, now he didn't multiplied. Who does she think she is? Multiplied. They didn't shake my head. Multiplied. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, it's always great to say we're a part of a growing church. People are being added. Oh, it's awesome. Oh, things are being great. But yeah, so do issues. It's almost like with great people come great issues. Now, also as I read this here in Acts chapter 6, that's also what stands out to me is that even though in the midst of it all, what this tells me is that no church has to be perfect in order to advance the kingdom of God. Even though there's going to be more people, you're going to see issues in a church and you're going to go, oh man, that church is all messed up. Well, guess what? You're absolutely right. The church is messed up. I like Charles Spurgeon, what he said. He said, the day we find the perfect church, it becomes imperfect the moment you join it. Far too often, so many people are looking at all that church, they do this, all that church, all that church, all that church. Listen, my friend, when actually when you, we, and which we've been studying, if you've been here the past couple of weeks, if you're really pinpointing the church, guess who you're really pinpointing at? Yourself. 
You're the church. You are the one that is to bring the perfect God to an imperfect people. That's what you're to do. Far too often we're pinpointing and we're looking at, oh, look what they're wrong. And listen, I just want to say this. As I was studying, I was even hesitating on saying this, but I go, I'm going to say it because it's just, it's really getting on my nerves. It, It just really is. And I say this because with the expansion of social media and the technology today, you can get, you know, pretty much basically what I'm saying is that you can get gossip in less than 2.2 seconds. And I want you to know this. Listen, here in Victory Outreach, we don't talk about other churches. We don't do that. If you want to talk about other churches, perfectly fine. Go do it somewhere else. But we don't do that here. Because you are going to find imperfections in every church. Stay here long enough. Stay here for about another five more minutes. You're going to find out this church is imperfect. And so I say that because I see all these people talking about other churches. And listen, I, I understand that not every church is perfect. I even look at some churches and I go, man, I wouldn't do that. Well, guess what? I won't do that. I'm not going to do that. That's not, but the thing is, I'm not going to talk about them. I'm not going to go over bashing them and talking about this. And, the, you know, there's a lot of, you know, big churches even in America. And listen, I know that even a, there's a lot of big churches. They make mistakes. I get it. But we don't go around talking about them. We don't do that stuff. Can you imagine if this would have happened at the root of the growth of the church of the book of Acts? Uh, which we're going to find it actually started happening, but they stopped it. So look at your neighbor and say, you better stop it. So as they began to grow, the apostles were there and they said, man, what do we do? How do we do this? So they came up with the idea. It was presented to them. They said, that's a great idea. Let's choose seven men. And let's base them on these core values. When you read the scriptures, I don't have time to get really into it, but when you read the scriptures, they chose seven men based upon these three things. These were the core values they based them on, being well-respected, being full of the Holy Ghost, and also being full of wisdom. Uh, Did you catch that? If you're writing it down, well-respected, full of the Holy Ghost, and full of wisdom. They chose seven men to help the expansion of the church Based on being well-respected, full of the Holy Ghost, and full of wisdom. That's pretty much what we ask for within our life group leaders. Being well-respected, full of the Holy Ghost, and full of wisdom. So the Bible says that they chose these seven men. Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon of the Lion King. No, he didn't. I'm just kidding. That's actually the guy's name, Timon. That's what it is. Parmenius. Nicholas, and also Stephen. Now it says that they chose them. When you read the scriptures, they were actually chosen to help distribute food. They were not chosen to be the teachers. They were not chosen to be the preachers. They were not chosen for the ones to grab the microphone and come behind the pulpit and give everybody direction. They were chosen to give out food. Actually, the apostle says, let's go out and let's give it to these guys. Let them distribute food so we can stick to the teaching so that we can do this. So all of a sudden, we look here in Acts chapter 6 that they chose this man, Stephen, who was just supposed to distribute food. See, what we see here is that this man was chosen from the lamblight, not for the limelight. Far too often we get too many people that want a prestigious position in the church. Let me do this. Let me do that. Oh, if they only saw me. If they only gave me. If only, if only, if only. Just give it to me. But we see here with Stephen, that was not even the case whatsoever. 
He was willing to distribute. He was well-respected. He was full of wisdom. He could have easily said, hey, uh, uh, I got a lot of wisdom. Let me start a life group. I'll blow everybody out of the box. Well, my friend, I don't think nobody wants to go in your box. Because if you're full of pride, it negates all wisdom that you have. You ever met somebody? It's just they're very smart, but you don't want to talk to them because they're so full of pride. Because like when they talk to you, they sound very condescending. Oh, brother, see, your issue is, well, you, let, me, let me tell you in my 18 years of experience, you know, teenagers, right? They got all the wisdom in the world. Don't lie. When you were 18, you thought you knew everything too. Stephen was chosen just to distribute food. He was a man of strong character. Charles Spurgeon said, a good character is the best tombstone. Those who, you, who, those who loved you and were helped by you will remember you when the forget-me-nots have withered. Carve your name on hearts, not on marble. I like that. That's exactly what Stephen did. We don't learn a whole lot about Stephen. We don't know about his upbringing. We don't know every single thing about him. There's other men in the Bible that we learn about detailed fashion of their everyday life, what they went through, how they, were, how they grew up in the temple courts, who their mom was, who their dad was. Stephen was just a chapter and a half. What's the big deal about this guy? We see this in the life of Stephen. Before he even picked up a microphone, he picked up his character with conviction. Acts chapter 6, look at me here in Acts chapter 6, verse 8. I'm going to be very short here because we got to apply this. Acts chapter 6, verse 8 says this. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Stop right there. Wasn't he supposed to just distribute food? That's all he was supposed to do. See, listen to me. Don't ever minimize your position that God has given you. I just usher. I just shake people's hands. I just watch kids. I just hand out food. Who cares? Wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> Whoever told you that anything you do for God was minimal? Anything you do for God is the maximum. You can't get no greater than that. That's the greatest thing you ever can do. They asked Billy Graham one time if you would ever run for president when he was the peak at his evangelism career. He was, I think it was around 45, almost 47, almost 50 years old. And they asked him, Billy Graham, would you ever run for president? You got all these followers. You got all these people following you. You would be a great man. You're a man of character. You should run for president of the United States. And you know what he told them? He said, how dare I step down from the office that God has given me? Don't ever minimize what you do and even put position of the world over the position that God has called you to do. Stephen was just a man who just distributed food, but for some reason he carried the light of Christ. Whatever he did, miracles followed him, signs and wonders. Don't ever minimize, well, I only got five people in my group. Those five people can flip that community upside down. Just with a few people, this man just distributed food. Then it says in verse 9 of Acts chapter 6, Then there arose a certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines, the Syrians, and Alexandrians, and of them of Cilicia and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. 
and they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Then they suborned men which said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council and set up false witnesses which said, This man ceases not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. And all that sat in the council looked steadfastly upon Stephen. They saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. Now, this is basically the bottom line of what was happening here. Just some time before that, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he comes on the scene. He starts preaching. Basically, he's flipping the temple Flipping the council, flipping everybody upside down. This can't work. So what do they do? They arrest him. They kill him. They persecute him. Uh, then they kill him. They put him in the stone. Then all of a sudden they hear he resurrected. Oh, my gosh, what's going on here? But they need to do away with this Jesus of Nazareth. So all of a sudden the apostles, they gather together. And they said, no, let's get together. So 120 of them gather all together. And they get there in the house. And the Holy Spirit comes. The comforter comes. And all of a sudden they start speaking in fire. They start speaking in tongues. And the Bible says that they started speaking. And people started laughing at them saying, they're drunk. They're crazy folk. Uh, don't look at me like that. You know exactly what it is to be drunk, okay? And so these men, but they were drunk but sober. Get that one. I know. Flip that upside down. Oxymoron. Reciprocate that. I don't know how that works. But but it works. So these people were drunk, but they were full of the Holy Ghost. And all of a sudden, they started going out, laying hands on people, preaching to people. And it turned from 120 to 1,000, from 1,000 to 2,000. 2,000, people even believe it went 5,000, 6,000. So many people started coming. So as the church started growing, they said, oh, my gosh, what do we do? Let's choose seven men. So they chose, okay, Nicholas, Philip, oh, and don't forget Stephen. So Stephen, in the midst of all this, he goes, hey, I'm here to distribute food. But at the same time, I got to ride this wave. Look at everything that's happening. So what did they do? They saw Christ in Stephen. Stephen's here to flip the temple courts upside down. So they did the same thing to Stephen that they did to Jesus. They arrested him. But this time, they were making up lies about him. Now, this is the thing. It's pretty much, this, in a short story, these guys made up stuff because he was telling the truth, but they didn't know how to handle it, so they arrested him. They brought him to the council and just started making up stuff. So Stephen pretty much looks around and goes, well, if we're going to go there, let's just go there. And if I'm going to go out with a bang, I'm just going to go out with a bang. That's pretty much the tone of where we're at right now. Are you seeing this? Because he already knows. He understood. He's going to preach Jesus. He was coming face to face with the fact of the matter. You need to deny him. Don't preach him anymore. Listen to me. One day you're going to come face to face with somebody telling you, are you going to deny him or are you going to profess him? Now you may think, oh, no, that's in other countries. Oh, my friend, it's coming closer than you think. A lot closer than you think. You're either going to deny him or you're going to profess him. Believe me, when they come to you face to face, they're not going to go, do you go to Victory Outreach? They won't care less. 
care less what church you go to. They want to know if you represent and you profess the one and only church, the one true God. That's what happened with Stephen. He came face to face with the ones who said, okay, you better deny this or we're going to kill you. See, our faces may not shine physically just like Stephen's did, but the light of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit in us should change our countenance, our attitude, and our actions so that when people encounter us, they can sense the glory of God. Paul said it best in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. He says, and we all who... With unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. See, as this arrest was going on in chapter 6, they asked him the question. They said, are these accusations true? Now, basically, what they were saying and what Stephen was understanding, if you're going to ask me if these things are true, because I know what I'm saying, you do not like. And if you don't like something, you kill something. So he knew what I'm about to say might sign my own death certificate. He knew that. He knew what he was getting involved with. He knew that what he was about to share and about to say was going to get him into a whole place that most people won't want to go. Now, this is just, just really quickly. This is, oh, this is so heavy to me. I, I love this. Stephen... When you read his life, when he's about to die, I know I'm jumping ahead at the end of at Acts chapter 7. He says, forgive them of this charge. Who does that sound like? Jesus. Right? Forgive them of this charge. Wow, that's heavy. They don't know what they're doing. Then what I like about it is that the Bible says that Stephen, I like it, he fell asleep. He didn't die. He just fell asleep. That's how I want to go. I just want to fall asleep. Just fall asleep. Now, the thing about it is that the Bible says that when he died or when he fell asleep, he breathed his last breath. The Bible says that there were some coats there that were laid at this one man's feet. Saul, right? Here was Saul being there, seeing that, oh, my gosh, this guy, to live is Christ, but to die is Saul, who later on wrote that scripture, probably was first impacted at this moment. Could have been. Paul wrote the scripture to live as Christ and die as gain. Where was his first impact? Right here with Stephen. He saw it firsthand to live as Christ, but to die is gain. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen breaks down the history and gives these men a history lesson like no other. He just totally tears apart every aspect, every fiber of their position. Breaks it all down. And he gives them three things. I'm not going to take long with this. This is what he gives them. And his three points that Stephen gives the council, he tells them this, that they don't like. Number one, he tells them that God's program progresses and changes. God's ways are not always set to one way. On your own time, read Acts chapter 7. It's a powerful lesson. He breaks it down with, with Moses and David and Joseph. He goes into the whole thing. And he breaks down and gives them a history lesson. Sharing that their God is an unlimited God. But they were limiting him. Stephen was basically coming to them and saying, stop limiting God. 
Stop putting him in this box. Stop saying that you always have to gather together only here. You can meet other places. What? Wait, huh? It sounds like, you know, what was that, Scooby-Doo? No way! See, because he was messing with their position. He was messing with who they thought they were. And Stephen came in and gave him a whole history lesson. Look at this. Acts chapter 7, verse 44. I wasn't going to read it, but just read it with me. Because as I was reading it, I was so intrigued by it. It It was awesome. Acts chapter 7, verse 44 says, Our ancestors carried the tabernacle with them through the wilderness. That's a heavy statement. It was constructed according to the plan God had shown to Moses. Years later, when Joshua led our ancestors in battle against the nation that God drove out of this land, the tabernacle was taken with them into their new territory, and it stayed there until the time of King David. David found favor with God and asked for the privilege of building a permanent temple of God uh, for God For the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who actually built it. That's another heavy statement. However, the most high God doesn't live in temples made by human hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Could you build me a temple as good as that? Ooh, that's heavy. That's heavy. Ask the Lord, could you build me such a resting place? Didn't my hands make both heavens and the earth? Oh, that's awesome. Okay, in a nutshell, this is what Stephen was basically telling him here. You know what he was telling him? That's really what he told him. All this temple junk. What's wrong with you? Because they, they were holding so steadfast at the temple. This is the temple of God. Hallelujah. Only the priest can come in here. Hallelujah. Nobody else can come. You know what he says? He says, guess where the temple was made? In the desert. Why are you guys all getting so holier than thou about the land? You know where holiness is? Holiness is wherever you go. Don't get stuck to just right here. That's, that's, that's basically what he was telling them. And then he's saying, okay, you want a history lesson? Okay, let's go there. Let's just go there. I have a friend of mine that he's a Dodger fan. He hates to go there when I want to go there. I'm not going to say his name, but his name's Pastor Ezra. And so I'm telling you. It's hilarious every time I have this conversation with him. Because he's a Dodger fan. I'm a Giants fan. And so just recently, for years and years and years, I couldn't say nothing. But now I get to say something because the Giants have seven World Series and the Dodgers have six. Now, for those of you who don't know sports, believe me, it's a big deal for us as Giants fans. It's huge. It's like the temple. You know, I don't know. Just... It's huge. It's like, wow, it's, it's awesome. It, it, just, it just really is. And so every time, because now you have to know this also about the history of the Giants and the Dodgers. The Giants and the Dodgers are the longest tenured North American sports rivalry in all of sports. Soccer, football, basketball, baseball, hockey. The Giants and Dodgers are the longest tenured. In other words, they've been fighting each other longer than any other sports teams. You know, you got the Red Sox and the Yankees and, you know, the, like the A's hate the Angels, right? They just, oh, we don't get along with them. Well, the Dodgers and Giants have been going at it since 1879, right? So that's a long time. So this is the thing. This is what's hilarious. The Dodgers and Giants both moved from New York to L.A. and San Francisco. Now, when I bring that up, he gets mad because the Dodgers in L.A. have won five World Series, 
And the Giants in San Francisco have won two World Series. So he always, he's always like, oh, he's probably going to listen to this right now. Guess what, Pastor Ezra? I'm just kidding. Uh, he always is like, oh, well, yeah, well, L.A., we have five and San Francisco has two. I go, you know what? That's true. However, in the history of the Giants, we have seven. And in the history of the Dodgers, you have six. And you know what he goes? I don't want to talk about it. What Stephen was doing here, he was telling them, yeah, that's true, that's true. Whatever you want to say, yeah, with David. However, don't forget that the tabernacle was built in the desert. It wasn't built where you stand. Matter of fact, it was a mobile tabernacle. And it could go wherever God pleased. Wait, that ruffled their, no, that, no, no, it, it's here. It's always been here. Whenever it's, this is, this is where it started. And Stephen goes, no. If we're going to tell the truth, let's tell the whole truth. If we're going to go there, let's go there. Do you understand what Stephen was doing? Like he was ready to go there. He said, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And see, what's very important that you need to understand as life group leaders, every once in a while you're going to get confronted with issues that you're going to want to have to go there. And the Bible says that your conversation, your tongue, must be seasoned with salt so that you may be able to answer anyone and everyone that asks you. See, some of you, you come here to church, and you only get enough of the study that I give you. And I want you to know something. You're going to be spiritually malnutritioned. It's going to be spiritually anorexic. You're not going to have enough to give people. Remember, Stephen was just supposed to distribute food. But instead, he was confronted. Okay, you're the food guy? Well, let's really go there. Hey, I'm ready to go there. I'm more than a food guy. I'm more than just an usher. I'm more than just a life group leader. Hey, you want to go there? Let's go there. And that's what Stephen said. See, this is the kind of people that are going to flip the world upside down. Men and women that are willing to go there. That's what Stephen did. Stephen looked at this and he said, listen, the second thing that you need to understand is that the blessings of God are not limited to the land of Israel and limited to the temple. He told them, don't limit the blessings of God. God can bless whoever, whenever, wherever, however he wants to do it. The blessings of God go beyond just the temple. Listen to me. I know many of you come and, and we pray for you here. And I've seen many healings at this altar. And I love healing the people here at this altar. But you need to know this. You can get healed even out there. If you see somebody, well, I'll, I'm going to challenge you. I, I, I believe every message that's ever preached behind a pulpit should challenge you. I'm going to give you a challenge right here. That when you see somebody and you feel, if you're full of the Holy Ghost, full of the Spirit, you've been praying. You said, God, lead me to somebody. And you see somebody, even on crutches, even in a wheelchair, even somewhere, I want to challenge you. You feel that within your spirit. Why don't you go pray for them? Go pray for them. See what happens right there in front of 7-Eleven. See what happens. Even 7-Eleven changed their name. Did you know that that's because that's what they were? They were 7-Eleven. They were only open from 7 to 11. That's why they're called 7-Eleven, just in case you didn't know that. But they even changed themselves. They said, we'll keep the name, but we'll change who we are. So they went 24 hours. So that's why they're always open 24 hours now. They just never changed their name to 24 hours. But that's who they are. See, we know them as a 24-hour chain. People should know you as a 24-hour Christian. Not just, oh, oh, he goes to Victory Outreach at 1 o'clock every Sunday. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's him. 
Oh, no, 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 my friend. I'm full of the Holy Ghost right now. You need a healing? I'll pray for you right now. You need salvation? I'll pray for you right now. You need the blessing of God? I'll show it to you right now. It wasn't just limited to just the temple. He said, I'm going to take this off. My God is a limitless God. And if he's a limitless God, he gives unlimited blessings. And it went beyond just the temple. Listen, some of us got to realize it here this morning. The blessings of God transcend anyone and everything. It will bless whoever it wants. He will give it to whoever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. That's my God. That's your God. Tell your neighbor, that's your God. And the third thing that he told him is that Israel had a history of opposing God's message and his messengers. He told him, he gave him examples about how Joseph was sold into slavery, about how their ancestors rejected Moses. You know what he told them? Acts chapter 7, verse 51. Look at, look at those first three words if you're reading the King James Version. NIV, the NLC. Acts chapter 7, verse 51. Now, he gives them a whole lesson, right? And he tells them, you did this and, uh, you know, this happened and your ancestors. But basically within the first few verses of Acts chapter 7, he says, your ancestors, uh, they did this, they did that, they rejected. Uh, don't forget about them. Yeah, yeah, you think it's your temple, this and that, blah, blah, blah. Then in Acts chapter 7, verse 51, because he gives a long message, but now he only goes a few verses. Look at why. Acts chapter 7, verse 51. He says, you stubborn people. Some translations say, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in the hardened ears. You are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. Oh, my gosh. Whoa. 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 You could talk about me, but don't talk about my mama. That's really what happened. Look at this. He says, they even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah whom you betrayed and whom you murdered. You deliberately disobeyed God's laws even though you received it from the hands of angels. Now, he could have kept going on. Many uh, theologians even believe he could have kept preaching even more, but they were so mad. They were so upset. Like, oh, man, he just went there. He's just talking about my mama. Oh, no, he didn't. And they were just, they, the Bible says they, they gnashed their teeth together, which is basically, in the Jewish customs, flipping them off, getting mad. And, okay, what are we going to do here? We, uh, they grind their teeth and it made a screeching noise. And if you know that in the, you know, anything having to do with spit, saliva, and the teeth with the Jewish people, it, not a good thing necessarily. They don't like that. They, you know, that's why even Jesus, he flipped them around. He healed a guy with spit. Remember that? Got the mud. Well, you don't do that stuff. That's not good. You know, that's why even Jesus said, be hot or cold. But if you're lukewarm, I will. Oh, that's not good. So when there's grinding of teeth, spitting, this is not good. This is not a good thing. They were upset. And he says, you stupid. Stiff-necked people. You know why he said stiff-necked people? Jesus said, take upon me my yoke, for it is easy and light. Because the yoke goes around the neck of the oxen. But he said, you guys didn't want to take the yoke of the true Messiah. You wanted to stay like this. This is how it always is. This is the way it's always been. This is the way it's going to go. That's it. 
you stiff-necked, stubborn people. See, he went from basically going to going, okay, you want some of this? Let's go. And that's basically what happened. Said, you, want, you want this? Let's go. Now, why was this such a big deal? Because later on in chapter 11, the, we read it at the beginning. In chapter 11, the Bible says, Now when they heard of these things, news spread all around, and they were glad and happy. That kind of got me. Like, they were so happy about Stephen's death. Wow. Yes, they were. Stephen's death started a revival in the church. Because of his death and persecution, it also started the conversion of Paul. Just so he could see that. Now, he didn't stop imprisoning people. He still kept doing it. That's why a lot of people were even scared. Even when you read later on that Saul all of a sudden got converted and he saw he was blinded. They still didn't want nothing to do with him. They're like, wait, this guy's killing people. He's over here. They didn't want nothing to do with him. But Saul started seeing differently now. It started here. See, now this is the brunt of the whole message. This is what got me right here. Stephen dies, the church explodes. So you guys are going to have to catch that right here. Stephen dies, the church explodes. Persecution comes, and it explodes. The moment, listen to me, life group leaders, life group ministers, the moment you will die to yourself, your community will explode. The moment you begin to see to live is Christ, but to die is gain. That I want to see something different within my community. I don't want it to be the same. I don't want to be a stiff-necked person. This is the way it's always been. This is the way I've always saw it. This is the way I've always heard it. But say, no, God is a limitless God. He sees beyond what I can see. He can do beyond what I can do. I don't want to be just that regular person that goes to church just at Sundays at 1 o'clock. And maybe I'll think about it on a Thursday. But, Lord, I want to care your presence wherever I go. I want to do what you call me to do. I want to go where you call me to go. I want to say what you want me to say. Stephen was the kind of guy that was ready to flip the world upside down. He didn't have the opportunity. He was only a chapter and a half. But the people that heard about him said, what? If this guy can flip the world in front of the temple council, in the, like he literally went in the heart. I'm outside. He went in the heart of it and told those guys what they were doing was wrong. What? Flipped the world upside down. Charles Spurgeon said, if sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish... Let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions. And let not one go unwarned and unprayed for. Those are words spoken with a man with conviction. It says, I believe in where I sit. Some of you are sitting right now, but do you believe it? 
Can you move with it? Can you go with it? Or is it just something that kind of passes the time? Listen, this is the kind of message that I'm trying to get some of you just go from converts, trying to get some of you that just go so, I just go to church. Listen, my friend, the Bible says that they were first called Christians. The disciples were first called Christians because of the domino effect that started with Stephen. It started with this man. He was the one that first stood for something so that everybody else can go out and preach the gospel. Listen, if people are going to go to hell, let them go to hell with our hand marks. We're going to be the ones bringing them back. We're going to be the ones exerting ourselves. Listen, my friend, we're going to try our best. I know we can't win them all, but we're going to win some. This is where we need you. This church, this city needs you. There's people that are out there waiting for you to say something. But are you going to be stiff-necked? No, I can't say nothing. I can only say stuff in the house of God. You know what Stephen was saying? He's saying, listen, stop being so righteous in the house. God's righteousness can go anywhere. Whoo! Give the Lord a hand of praise for that. That's awesome. You know what? I don't know what it is. Maybe it's Charles Spurgeon right now, but this guy's getting me going. He said this. He said, have you no wish for others to be saved? Then you're not saved yourself. Be sure of that. Woo, knocks over water when that stuff happens. <laughs> Hudson Taylor, the Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It is a command to be obeyed. C.T. Studd said, some wish to live within the sound of a chapel bell. I wish to run a rescue mission within a yard of hell. These are men that spoke with conviction. Gary Amaral said, as a large fire begins with kindling of small twigs and branches, even so a large revival is preceded by the prayers of a few hidden, seemingly insignificant souls. A large fire started with Stephen, the food guy. Don't ever minimize what you can start. Don't ever minimize. Wow, just, I don't know that much. I don't have that much. Can you imagine if Stephen would have just said, oh, they only promoted me to food distributor operator? Can you imagine if, if they would have came to him and said, hey, hey, aren't you the guy that goes to that church over there at Victory Outreach? Yeah, well, why don't you go talk to the pastor? I don't really know that much. Go talk to Peter. He's the apostle. Can you imagine that? The church distributed itself through one man just saying, you want to go? Let's go. You want to do this? Let's do this. Listen to me, Victory Outreach, Heart of the Bay. This is my message all wrapped up into one right here. Stephen was ready at the chance when the moment came. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you, men and women, take this, get this word in you. And when that moment comes, because it will come, and when that moment comes and it confronts you face to face, that you would not say, well, uh, hold on, well, I, don't, I only go to church like every so often. I'm not that, I, I mean, I don't know that much. Why don't you go ahead and call Pastor Toby? Why don't you go ahead and call Pastor Greg? Why don't you call Pastor Elias? Paul, call Pastor Daryl. I, I, really, I don't really know that much. Who's my life group leader? But you would be able to say, okay, listen, you want to go there? Let's go there. I'm ready to 
to do this. I've been ready to do this. To live as Christ, to die as gain. You want to kill me? That's perfectly fine. I want to go up there anyways. Shoot, my body going to look a whole lot better than this anyways. I can eat all I want and gain nothing. Hey. So if you want to kill me, kill me. Because I'm ready to go up there and see my maker. But as long as I'm breathing, I'm speaking the gospel. I'm sharing the gospel. I'm going to tell somebody that Jesus Christ loves them. That Jesus Christ cares for them. That Jesus Christ is the answer. Ready to preach the gospel at the drop of a coat, the drop of a hat. Ready to go to Castro Valley. Come on, Ismo. We're going to shake Castro Valley. You know that we haven't done an event in Castro Valley as long as I think I can remember. We haven't done one. I don't know if we have. Has anybody else been here a long time? One, you know. Have we ever done an event in Castro Valley? Not that I can remember. Right? I don't think we've ever, ever. And Castro Valley's literally right here. We could wave hello at them. Hey. Right here. We've never done anything. Let's do it. You do it. We're going to back it. We're going to flip this community upside down. We're going to flip it upside down. With the spirit of Stephen that says, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to preach it. I'm ready to move it. I'm ready to go wherever you want me to go. I'm ready to do whatever you want me to do. I'm ready to say whatever you want me to say. If you believe that, give the Lord a hand of praise. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to flip Hayward up side down. Stand with me here. Hallelujah. As they come to the instruments, I'm going to repeat this quote one more time from Charles Spurgeon. I want this to get in your spirit. I really do. This is, maybe if it's not for you, it's for me. Maybe it's just for me. I'll speak to myself then. I like this. If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over my dead body. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions. And let not one go unwarned and un. Prayed for. If you ever at any time in your walk with God, you look at somebody and you said, you tell yourself, man, somebody should reach that guy. Man, I'm going to call the church to go pray for this guy. My prayer is that your teeth start grinding. That your heart would start pumping. That your hands would start moving. And that the Holy Spirit began to enter you. That all of a sudden, what you thought the church should do, you realize, that's me. That's me. You know the cousin that you just can't stand? God put you in that family for a reason. You know, they say, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. You know what that says to me? You... You can choose the ones who you can evangelize to, but you can't choose the ones who you're going to evangelize to. It's basically what it is. They're, they're your family. They, they have to see your light. 
They don't have a choice. Oh, well, they knew me before. Well, let them know you now. Let them know you now. What do you look like now? The Bible says that Stephen, as he began to get ready to speak, his countenance changed. Everything about him changed. See, before, he might have been just a quiet guy, just a guy who could distribute food. But all of a sudden, spirit came upon him. Okay, I know I'm at this family reunion. I don't know, everybody's drinking around me. I know I used to drink. I know I used to get drunk. Matter of fact, I was probably the one leading it. But right now at this time, God, give me the words to share to my aunt. Give me the words to speak to my uncle. Give me the words to impart into my cousin. Lord, I love my grandmother. Let me love her enough not to let her go to hell. Give me the words to speak. Some of you in these next few days, next few weeks, you're going to be face to face with that challenge. Oh, God. The moment you feel it, you know it, you walk it, you speak it, watch what happens even after. Stephen didn't know it. big boom happened after he died some of you just got to die to yourself bow your heads with me father i pray right now in the name of jesus touch the hearts minds bodies and souls lord god of the saints that are here lord god i pray father as we scatter around hayward as we scatter around through our life groups my god that you would empower may they feel empowered here lord jesus Father, I thank you and I praise you. If there's anybody here right now that you're saying, you know what, this message was for me. I know this is upon my heart. I know this is upon my soul. As they sing this song, I want you to slip out of your seat right now. I want you to come to this altar at any time. And you say, you know what, this is for me.